Thank you for tuning in to Lexington Road Ministries podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to stop by. We hope you enjoy today's message. We get to Matthew chapter 3. Of course, Matthew chapter 1 is about genealogy of Christ and about Matthew chapter 2 is about the birth of Christ. We get to Matthew chapter 3 and we see Christ being baptized with John the Baptist and, and beginning what we see the beginning part of his ministry. But after his baptism, ministry just doesn't take part because we see him in chapter 4 being tempted by Satan in the wilderness, in the desert for 40 days. And it reminds me sometimes that, that sometimes we have these great experiences with God. Can you imagine going from being baptized to being in the wilderness? And, and if you really go back and look in Matthew chapter 2 and, and study the young life of, of Jesus, you, you see Joseph and Mary taking Jesus at a young age and going to Egypt for quite some time. The Bible doesn't tell us. I, I'm assuming it's for several years and hiding because Herod is trying to uh, kill baby Jesus at this time. It, it, and so there's so much complexity uh, of things that are going on here in these first few uh, chapters of Matthew. And we see Jesus coming out of the wilderness and, and, and really what we talk about it is his Galilean ministry. His disciples are called and, and set forth and, and he starts bringing these people around him that, that are going to travel with him for the next three years and do ministry. And then you see him going about preaching and you see just an explosion really what I would call the explosion of the church or what we call in, in Christian realm the New Testament church. Just an explosion of ministry uh, because Jesus is here in Galilee and he, he goes and he starts teaching in the synagogues and he's teaching something that is brand new and, and he uh, starts preaching about the uh, uh, the gospel of the kingdom. In fact, let me read a, just a, a little bit about the latter part of chapter four. He does healing, all kinds of sickness and, and he He's healing all kinds of seizures. And, and so his fame, the Bible says, went out from Syria. And uh, there's like 10 nations there right around the Galilean uh, 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 countryside. And people are starting to rush from here and there. Isn't that something when we hear something excited? In fact, I know people that will run from church to church to church when they hear something excited uh, going on. And I always encourage people, it's okay to visit churches and, and be a part of revival, but you need a home church, a place where you can be rooted and, and grounded. And, and all of this is taking place. Gentiles, Jews, agnostic, people of all different religion and, and backgrounds and faith are starting together. And Jesus comes to this place and one of what we uh, uh, look at is maybe one of the greatest sermons ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And we get the uh, Beatitudes, and, and, and we begin to hear him, and he sits down and teaches. In fact, most theologians said this was about a week process. This isn't, just wasn't a 30-minute sermon on Sunday morning or, or uh, an hour sermon. I'm not going to try to preach an hour this morning. Somebody say amen. I will preach till I feel like I'm finished. Amen. Yeah. 
But Jesus spent a week on the mountain with his disciples. And let me tell you, it just wasn't the 12. It was people that had heard and already seen that the, the miracles and what Jesus was preaching and what he had taught in the synagogue. And they started gathering in and they started hearing the, what Jesus, and Jesus starts speaking encouragement because he's already starting to deal with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he's already starting to deal uh, with those that have religious spirits. And, and he's uh, uh, bringing a fresh and new revelation and he starts speaking vision into the disciples and we see that recorded here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Wow. Vision of how we are to see God. How do you see God this morning? How do you see God? Hopefully we see him with our, our, our heart. But how you see God? Do you have a correct vision of who God is? In fact, like I named this sermon Re-Envision. Uh, a realignment of future or a reimagination of future possibilities is what Webster uh, tells us when we re-envision something. And, and he's, he speaks and he, he wants us to understand how we are, are seeing ourselves. How do you see God this morning, young man? Young lady, and how do you see yourself? And, and what uh, uh, complexity of how you're living and what you're going through, where is God in the middle of this? And the things that we think that are important and the things that we think that, that draws us closer to God are some of the things that Jesus was teaching or those are not the important things. See, we think how charismatic we are or how loud we are when we preach. You know, the louder I get, the more you like it. I don't know why. My wife, my wife hates it when I get loud. I, I, I guess that's this Pentecostal realm, but it's not how charismatic we are. It's not about how loud we are. It's not about all these things. It's how we see God and that we see God in a proper perspective of who he is in our heart and in our life. How many of you know that God wants to be Lord of everything and he wants to be king of your heart and king of your life and he wants complete control of who you are and the reason that most of us are miserable at times in our life is because we get in front of God and we don't see God for who he really wants to be. That's better preaching than you're letting on this morning. It's amazing. You bring in, you bring in these outside hot shots and they preach the same thing you preach and everybody's clapping and saying amen and everything else. And then you say something good and people are looking at you like you're crazy. I'm telling you, there's a God of heaven. He loves you. He's concerned about you. He sees every time you're in a cave, in a valley, on the mountain, no matter what you're going through, and he is there with you uh, to help you. He is your present help in your time of trouble, and even when things are going good, he wants to be there. So many times we just run to God, Jamie, when things are going bad, and that's when we get in trouble. I'm telling you, whether I'm in the valley or on the mountain or been in the cave or coming out of the cave. God is still God and I will worship him. Man. And here he is, he's talking to people that really don't have a clue of what this thing that we call church is all about because it wasn't taking place in a building, it was on a mountain. And that just reminds me Sometimes we need to get above our problems in the spiritual realm. We got to get above our problems in the spiritual realm. And it's hard when all of you run around with turkeys all day long to soar with eagles. 
Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings as eagles. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord. Come on now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So many times I hang out with a turkey like my son-in-law, and it's hard for me to see God. Are we associated? Yeah. He can barely talk this morning. Amen. Holly's been praying for him. I don't know which way she's been praying for him, not to talk or, or to be totally healed. Listen for a few moments. Some children lose their 2020 vision. How many know it's year 2020? Some lose their 2020 vision by the age of eight or nine. This is a, 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 a leading ophthalmologist, and they become nearsighted. Generally, visual acuity then remains stable throughout your life with perhaps a slight decrease for some of us into the sixth or seventh decade to we're in our 60s or 70s. But some children lose their perfect vision when they're eight or nine years old. That tells me when we give our heart to God, if we don't keep focused up on him, we can lose our, we can become nearsighted and all we see is what's going on inside the four walls of the church. And and we become so churchy and so church-minded that we are not heavenly-minded and we do no earthly good. And this is what Jesus is really trying to pour into these young disciples, these young converts at this time. In fact, Habakkuk reminds us where there is no vision, people perish. Wow. Man. Our vision is to see lives changed and people revived. What do you mean? It's here. Knowing him to make him known, it's on our bulletin boards. Is it still on our media slides? Amen. You know, our our vision is to see God change hearts and change lives and for people to uh, look at him and uh, and to focus upon him. So I thought about these uh, uh, words that start with R-E and some of them may be made up. I'm not for sure if re-envisioned is actually a word. But I thought of this word revive because we talk about uh, revive when we talk about being revived in January. Revive is having a renewal or return or to be restored. Uh, the R-E in Latin simply means uh, again. And that uh, uh, root word vive comes from uh, the Latin word V-I-V-E-R-E, which means to live. And so what God is saying and what Jesus is saying to us as the body of Christ and the believers in Jesus Christ, that we are to live again. We are to be alive. I know some people that have been in church all their life and they kind of get uh, uh, closed in and they kind of rem- forgot who God is. I'm telling you, we have to fall in love with God all over again. The Bible warns us, Jesus warned us that many will lose their first love. So he begins to teach in chapter five. Wow, first he teaches about blessings. Did you know the Beatitudes is about eight different blessings? Wow. And he just simply begins to break it down. Blessed are the poor in spirit, not the big mouth, not the one that can talk the most, not the one that preaches the loudest, but blessed are the poor in spirit. He talks about condition and results. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What, what does that mean? That means we realize that there is a Savior and we're not them. That realize that that at a 
just realizing that, that, that we're going to find ourselves in need or in trouble and, and that we know that we're not able to get ourselves through that trouble, that we as human beings need a Savior. Now, my five-year-old granddaughter has realized this. She don't call people people. And she don't call them ma'ams and sirs. or They're humans. That's amazing for a five-year-old. Man. And we just need to realize that we're all human beings. We're all created in the image of God. We're, we're all a, a, a part of his creation. And, and this is what he's pouring into these disciples. He's saying, hey, you're created in my image. And the only way that you can see me is that you have an inward change inside of you. He, he said, blessed are the meek. Man, we, we're always focused. When I was focused at school, we always wanted to be around the jock or, or those that were most popular. You know, I wanted to hang out with the cool kids like Nathan. You know, we want to hang out with, you know, we want to uh, be like Ed. I want to hang out uh, uh, with uh, Elena or somebody, one of the uh, cool kids. Uh, you know, Hannah, I want to hang out with uh, some of these. Uh, uh, Brandon, you know, I want to hang out with somebody like Tristan. You know, not, not Tristan, that Tristan, uh, the blonde-headed Tristan. You know, I want to hang out with these people. I want to, uh, you know, that makes me feel good. And what Jesus is teaching, hey, blessed are the, are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Hey, man, we are blessed because uh, we have a, a, an appearance of who God is. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's so many people that hunger and thirst for power. This is what you're taught in our schools. They hunger and thirst for uh, prestige. They want to be a part of the cool kids or the cool cool group or, or, or they want to be in the know. You know, some people at church, not our church, the church across town, uh, the church in Lexington, you know, they want to be in the know of everything uh, uh, coming and going and what God is saying. Oh, you need to be humble. You need to be meek. Uh, blessed are those who uh, mourn because I'll cover you. Blessed are those who are just hungry and thirsty for more of me. I'm telling you, if you don't do anything new this year, uh, push aside everything else and get hungry for more of God and get hungry. Let him pour into you uh, because you're going to find yourself in a cave, in a mountain, or in the valley. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Wow. I joke about those I'd take in a fight with me. But man, how about those people that speak peace in the middle of life's storms? Wow. Those that act cool, calm, and collected, not because it's necessary. That's not my personality. Most people think I'm laid back most of the time. But my grandma Turner was half Cherokee Indian. Anybody else got any Native American in them? Yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, I can go cray-cray if I have to. Not my personality. Not what I do, but God says, blessed are the peacemakers. There's always going to be somebody trying to stir up trouble. I don't know why he didn't say, blessed are the troublemakers. Because I can tell you, when I was in school, I was fine by myself. But you put two or three of us together. Trouble was, yeah, I see you, Oscar. You know what I'm talking about. Trouble was on the horizon. 
you know, I, I was good, but man, you get some of us together in trouble. But there's something about being a, a peacemaker. There's something about uh, learning to speak peace, be still. Blessed are those that are persecuted because of righteousness. You know, we live in a time and an era where people are persecuted more uh, for their faith uh, than, than for anything else. Uh, there's a time that we live in. And look out, if, if God tarries, it, it'll get worse. Your kids can go to school and talk about anything and everything. You can almost cuss a teacher out. I'm, I'm on probably on Facebook. You can speak ill against a principal, but you bring up faith and, and your religion and talk about Jesus, man, you're in trouble. I'm telling you, it is time that we listen to the words of God and hear what he's trying to say to us. But those that are persecuted, theirs will be the, the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, false and say false things and all kinds of evil against you. And Jesus said, rejoice and be glad. Somebody put your hands together and rejoice. Maybe you've been going through them. I have some cool things to say about the Beatitudes, but I don't have time to share them, all of it. William Barclay said this about the book of the Gospel of Matthew. Blessed is an absolute. It is true anytime, anywhere just as much now as it was in the first century. It describes joy which has its secret within itself, joy which is serene and untouchable, uh, joy that is self-contained through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, joy which is completely independent of circumstances or problems or issues or changes or ups and downs of life. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is joy that only the Lord brings and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you uh, brings to you. Second thing that he teaches on, he teaches on our heart. Wow. Salt loses its flavor or it loses its heartiness in verse 13. He tells us we are the salt of the earth. He's telling his disciples, we are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Man. And can I tell you, a lot of churches lose their favor, their flavor. And if you lose your flavor, you, you lose your favor. What are you talking about? We lose flavor. Flavor is not about the songs we sing. It's not about the preaching style. It's, it's not about the things that, that we think uh, are important. Flavor is not about your church attendance this morning. Flavor's not about how much you gave to, to God's house last year. Flavor's not all, uh, all, all about all these things. It's not what position that you hold on the church, what uh, class you teach or what uh, uh, board you're on. Uh, flavor is about knowing who God is and, and serving him and honoring him. Flavor's about how you act on Monday after you've been to church on Sunday and how you treat people in the world. Uh, flavor's about when the, you get the uh, wrong phone call or the bad doctor's report, how you react in the people that don't 
don't know Jesus when they're looking at you and they need hope and they need an answer. Flavors about being somebody that is the feet and the voice and the hands of Jesus. Flavor, Sister Connie, is about when you get the phone call that, that one of your faithful uh, uh, loved ones of your church has passed away and you take time to pray with them on the telephone and you do something. Flavor's about how you're going to treat somebody when you go into the restaurants this afternoon because they're going to know that you just came from the church house. Flavor's about every one of you that are bosses, how you treat your employees. Flavor's about how you treat your kids. Come on now. Because I've seen a lot of people come in on Sundays and speak in tongues and prophesy and live a holy life and put on a necktie or put on a dress. Hopefully it was a boy who put on the necktie and a girl who put the dress on. I've seen a lot of people have their name written down on the membership roll. I've seen a lot of people uh, 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 proclaim Jesus and talk about Jesus and they have fallen away from their first love and forget what Jesus taught his disciples and really uh, they have very little understanding what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. And we've got to get back in 2020 with revived revision. Uh, vision. We've got to get back with new uh, vision. We've got to get back to the place. Sometimes you've got to go back to get where God wants you to get today. And what he's trying to do is reconfirm his presence and his word and reconfirm his commitment to you and reconfirm who God is in your heart and in your life and who he wants to be in your neighborhood, in your school, in your job, in your community. He wants to reconfirm his presence. And if salt loses its season, he loses its flavor, then it's good for nothing. Man. Wow. Christ, he wrote about the law written on the heart. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. It's reconfirmed me. You got to remember all these early disciples, all they've heard about, all they've ever been taught about is Old Testament. All they know is about the, the canon. They know about Moses. They know about Abraham. They know about Noah and Jonah. The, all they know is about the stories that, that, that they've been taught uh, from a young child up. All they know is all these, and he, and, and so many times uh, we think that he come to do away with the law, and that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees were concerned about. That was what the leaders of that day and era were concerned about, that he come to do away with, but he didn't come to do away with anything. He came to fulfill the law. Well, why was the law important? But because the law brought us the Ten Commandments. The law brought us understanding in those days. The law brought us sacrifices and blood sacrifices. Lord, would you come? I had eight or nine pages of notes. I think I'm on number two. The law brought us all these things that were important. In fact, I've heard it said that 
the Sermon on the Mount, kind of, or, or when he went to the Mount of Beatitudes, it's kind of like when Moses went to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. Wow. He didn't come to destroy things. Can I tell you who's come to destroy? The enemy. He's come to destroy you. He don't want you to fall in love with Jesus all over again. I've been to so many places, especially when we were in state work. And they say, man, we used to see this. We used to have that. And I tell you, one of the saddest things I ever, love you, brother. I'd kiss you if you weren't so cute. i kiss my hand. Love him like a son. The Bible says greet them with a brotherly kiss. It's okay. See, but we live in a day and hour, but that's taken all out of perspective. Because you can't have close bonds and friendships, man and man and woman and woman, because the world has polluted that and they have polluted our vision and we don't see God for who he is. I'm telling you, I love these young guys up here and I'm so proud because I went in a lot of churches that didn't have young adults and they didn't have teenagers and they didn't have kids and if there's anything I'm proud about about pastoring this church, we invest time, money, energy and effort in this younger generation because we love them, we care about them. But the world wants to pollute who you are and wants to pollute your vision of who God is. And I'm telling you, I'm standing here speaking in faith today. And I'm speaking to some hearts that may have grown cold. And there's times you may have grown cold and you didn't even know you were cold. But you're just kind of going through the motions. God's going to do a new thing for you. Would you stand? God, refresh us. God, renew us. God, restore us. God, reconfirm who you are in our heart and in our life. <laughs> 2019, I heard somebody tell me today it was the worst year they ever had. I'm telling you, I'm believing 2020 is going to be the best year. If you believe that with me or you need God to renew something, give you renewed vision, would you step to this altar with me this morning? Maybe you need to renew your commitment and your faith in Him. Maybe you've gone cold in your relationship with Him. You just need to come and pour your heart out to Him and say, God, I need something fresh. I need something new. Maybe you're hurting and you're broken today and you need a healer today. He's a healer today. Maybe you have been grown far 
away from God. Maybe it's a long time since you've had the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit overtake you and, and get inside of you. And it's been a while since you've spoken in tongues or you've seen God's presence show up in a mighty way. You need to get in this altar and begin to cry out to God. God, I'm here. God, I'm hungry. God, I'm thirsty for you. 